Hey folks, if you've been tuning in over the last couple months, you've heard all about the GameTime app and how it can save you some serious cash on last-minute tickets to sporting events, concerts, and all types of shows. There's some big stuff coming up in Southern California here. You don't want to miss it. How about that Lakers-Clippers game on Christmas Day? No better app than Game Time to score some last-minute tickets. Keep an eye on them. See if they go down right before the game starts. Hop in there on Christmas Day and, and watch what should be the NBA game of the season. Game Time is perfect for that. And right now, Game Time is hooking you up for the holidays with a $10 credit. Here's what you have to do. Download that Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store. Click on the My Tickets section of the app. Create an account and then go to the billing section and use the redeem code the athletic. One word the athletic for ten dollars off your first purchase. That's free money, people. The credit is only available to the first one thousand people who use the redeem code, and it expires at the end of the year. That's December thirty first, two thousand nineteen. So make those moves quick and score those last minute tickets. Welcome, Rams fans, to the latest edition of the 11 Personnel Podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Rich Hammond, Rams beat writer for the Athletic. Be joined in a second here by Jake Reiner from CBS2 Los Angeles, and we will recap for you. Oh boy, what a what a game, Rams fans! Not not in the way that you wanted, not in the way that you hoped. We said. In the last episode, that this game would kind of set the trajectory. You know, either it would propel the Rams toward a, a possible playoff berth, or it would send them reeling. And and we certainly got our answer, and, and it didn't take very long. In a, in a very disappointing loss for the Rams to the Dallas Cowboys, I think all things considered, clearly their worst loss of the season. Jake, what do you think? There's been some disappointing ones now. So let's let's offer some proper context. The Tampa Bay loss was was not a good loss uh, given the opponent and, and the way that that game went. Uh, the Pittsburgh loss was not a good one, but uh, you know, Jake, we just the expectations were so high here, and everybody knew exactly what this game meant to the Rams. And I just maybe it's a recency bias, but but to me, this one this one is the worst. Oh, by far. And I think that there are a lot of parallels between what happened in this game and what happened in the Ravens game. A lot of the similar deficiencies that the Rams had in the game against Baltimore, they had against Dallas, and they couldn't afford it against Dallas. They could, in theory, afford it against the Ravens, but they needed to beat this team, and they didn't do it. And I just want to open by saying, Rich, Because we've been trying to figure out what's been wrong with the Rams all season long. We've kind of gone back and forth. There have been different theories and different things that we've talked about, i.e. the offensive line, i.e. Todd Gurley, Jared Goff, you know, wherever you want to put the blame, Sean McVay. But I think I figured it out, and I'd like to take responsibility for myself because as Lindsay Theory pointed out last night when we were waiting outside the Rams locker room, Lindsay Theory of ESPN, she said, you know, Jake, last year the Rams went to the Super Bowl, and then this year you started covering them, and they're not going to make the playoffs. So if Rams fans need a punching bag, my Twitter is Reiner underscore Jake. You can go ahead and lay it on me because honestly, I'll take I'll take responsibility for it because 
Last night was terrible. Yeah. How about this, Jake? I, I appreciate you falling on the sword like that because uh, I, I'm not going to do it. So and somebody has to. But but how about this? How about our old friend Vinny Bonsignor? And before we will go back to the Rams because I know everybody wants to vent and, and hear about the Rams. But Vinny leaves us, right? Vinny leaves us to go cover the Raiders. They're six and four when he arrives. <laughs> They have not won since. They're 0-4, and they just suffered a, an utter collapse against the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, yesterday and, and are also out of the playoffs. So but between you and Vinny, I guess you've got that that uh, evil, evil, uh, you know, supervillain uh, mojo going there because uh, it's just, wow, what a, what a disaster for all of these California teams. My goodness, they're all, they all lost yesterday. Chargers lost, 49ers lost, Raiders lost, Rams lost. Anyway, no, no, no love anywhere in the state. I just want to say thank you for defending me by bringing up Vinny's record. At least I'm eight and six. Uh, Vinny, you know, that's a whole different story. So I, I appreciate you helping me out there, but I'll, I'll still take the blame for, for my part in this. Yeah, it can always be worse, Jake. Just remember that it can always be worse. Not, not if you're the Rams, maybe. I don't know how it gets much worse than, than, than what we saw last night. And look, I know, I know people are upset when we're, I know we're having a little fun and, and, you know, fans fans take it very seriously as they should. I, I said this in the past. You know, people invest uh, whether it's money or time or just pure emotion or whatever. It's it's a it's a it's a big thing to to be a, a fan of a sports team, and uh, I, I totally get it. You know, we we go back and forth on Twitter sometimes, and uh, it can be a little sarcastic. I'm told. But uh, but I do understand that you know it, it is something that's very frustrating and disappointing uh, when when you're a Rams fan and you you come into the season with high expectations and uh, no matter what it looks like they're they're not going to be met this year so I, I definitely get it and uh, I, I'd encourage people to go you know check out the story that I that I published last night in in the Athletic where I, I think I pretty much you know, kind of took them to task and said uh, they they got what they deserve this year and and what that's going to end up being is is a spot out of the playoffs and, and, you know, probably a nine and seven record, maybe they get to 10 and six. Um, but, but either way, it's, it's not going to be what they expected and it's not what going to be what everybody hoped for. And, you know, Jake, it's, it's kind of a microcosm to me, everything we saw in this game and, and we can break it down and we'll, will we will, we'll talk about some of the individual things that went wrong and, and both sides of the ball. But, the one thing that got me, Jake, and, and I, I understand why players say this and, and even coaches say this, and, and I heard it a couple times in the locker room last night where it was, you know, you know we got we got to go back and look at the film. We got to see. And I'm just I kind of shake my head when I see that because when I sit, when I hear that, because this is not one of those games, Jake. You, you don't need to go back and look at the film. Everything just across the board was an utter disaster. And, and you had two, you had two teams that came into that game last night or yesterday, needing a win. Dallas was sitting in a playoff spot, uh, but but had been reeling. They they desperately needed a win to, to get their feet back under them and and to maintain that that very narrow lead in the NFC East. And the Rams desperately needed a win just to keep pace, just to keep their hopes alive. And one of those teams showed up. Let's let's be honest about it. And that's not. I'm not trying to be you know hot takey about this or whatever. But one of those teams showed up last yesterday, and and one of them did not. And, and I don't think you can get around that. You can, you can break down film any way you want or, or look at why certain matchups uh, went the wrong, right way or wrong way. But uh, just across the board, that was a Dallas team that came in prepared, came in with a good plan and executed it. And I don't know whether you could say 
any of those things about the Rams. And Jake, I, th- I think there was a quote, was it a Todd Gurley quote? Who, who He kind of spoke to that. I don't think anybody said it uh, real directly, but I think Todd probably came came the closest, right? Yeah, he definitely had the, the quote that kind of summed up the experience that not only the players had, but also the people watching the game. He said, it was just one of those games. Those guys came out and just looked like, and they played better than we did, and they wanted it more than we did. And, you know, just tough, tough loss. And for one of the players to say that the other team wanted it more than they did, I think is an accurate statement, but it's also troubling in the sense that you would have wanted to see the Rams want it more. And it seemed like with the Ravens' loss, after that, you thought the Rams were on a roll. They came into this one on a hot streak, and you thought that they could keep rolling. And both you and I thought that that was what was going to happen last night. And to see this team not really reach the level that the Cowboys displayed was a little disheartening to say the least. Aaron Donald also had another uh, decent quote where he said, we were embarrassed. And yeah, they were embarrassed. And I think what's hard about rooting for a team in Los Angeles, if I may say so, is that The Rams have quickly realized since moving from St. Louis to Los Angeles that once you're good or once you show that you're good or one of the top teams, you're expected to keep winning. And if you don't win, then the season is considered a failure, i.e. the Lakers. So the past six seasons obviously have been failures for the Lakers, but I think anytime they A, don't make the playoffs, or B, when they make the playoffs and don't win a championship, it's a failure. Another example, the Los Angeles Dodgers. They've won the division the last seven years in a row, but all of those years, if from a fan's perspective, is looked at as a failure because they didn't win a World Series, and rightfully so. They've not won one since 1988. These fans have been hungry for a championship, but I think the Rams are now realizing that this is the case in Los Angeles. We expect you to win, and when you show us that you can win, after the 2016 season, they showed in 2017 and then in 2018 when they made the Super Bowl that they are that, that they not only can win, but that they're one of the elite teams in the NFC. Well, you better keep winning, and to have a season like they've had so far this season uh, has been disappointing in a number of ways, but I think it also plays into that narrative that fans expect them to win. Yeah, I think you hit on something very important here, and uh, I'm glad you did because there's a difference. <laughs> there's a difference between a bad team and a good team that's playing bad. And I think we would all say that if if the Rams were a bad team, you you wouldn't be seeing this type of emotion or this type of anger or whatever phrase you want to use. You didn't see it in 2016. I covered those 2016 Rams, and and there was just, you know, when loss after loss piled up, it was more like resignation. Like everybody just understood, okay, this is not not a team with a lot of top-level talent. It's not a team with good coaching. It's not a team that should be expected to win games. And you, you almost had that apathy there. And, and apathy is worse than, than anger. And and what you have right now is, is some anger and uh, certainly a lot of frustration because of exactly what you said, Jake. And and they, they set the bar. And, and, you know, from from Sean McVay to Les Snead or anybody else, Jared Goff, 
would all tell you that they they know that they they understand that uh, once you set that bar, you you have to live up to it. But it's absolutely uh, becoming clear, but based on the reaction, that that is the reality. And yeah, you you said it exactly right. It's once once you enter that window that you have to win a championship. You mentioned the Dodger fans being you know very upset the last couple of years. It's like, well, you you get to the World Series or you get to the playoffs seven years in a row or whatever it is. But, you know, if, if you've shown that you should be at that championship level, then you need to finish the job. And we're seeing it again this year with the Lakers and the Clippers. I mean, only one of them, at best, only one of them is going to be able to win the NBA championship. But uh, they both have those super high expectations to where anything else is, is going to be considered a disappointment. And that's where we are with the Rams right now. And, and really, I, I think I've said this on a previous episode, but... I see that as a compliment in a way because they are being held to that standard. It's not that people think they're a bad team or that they should be losing these games. It's the the, the frustration that is there is because people have seen it uh, and people have seen this team win and, and understand that, that they should be better. And uh, it's it's just not there. And and Jake, the, the you know the story that I that I wrote last night kind of said, you know, in a way, maybe this is good for the Rams because unless something very strange happens and we'll get into the scenario a little bit later, but unless something very strange happens, they're not going to make the playoffs. Um, And they're going to have to stare down some really, really serious uh, realities about where they are, about how their season went and, and about how things need to change in the future. It's not just little tweaks here and there. They, they can't claim that, you know, well, we made the playoffs, so it's a, it's a successful season. No, they're, they're really going to have to stare some of this stuff down. And and I know I know you see it on on social media too, Jake. But uh, th- th- I think there's a right way to handle that, and and there's a kind of a destructive way to handle that. Like you you want the uh, you want the reaction to be there. You want the energy. You want the passion to be there. But you also don't want it to be destructive and and that sort of thing. So it's a very fine line when when you're a fan, right? Oh, totally. And I think fans, Vin Scully always has a great quote when uh, fans get, when he used to call games and fans would get really excited over a fly ball to the the deepest part of the outfield. And when the ball would get caught on the warning track, he would say that the fans were watching that ball with their hearts and not with their eyes. And so (laughs) it's a great quote, but it also is applicable to any fan following a sports team, which is obviously you want your team to win. You want your team to be good. And when your team shows that they are at the elite level, you want them to continue to be that way. And so a lot of the reaction that comes out when a team gets uh, demolished, like the Rams did last night, is that a lot of these fans are watching this team with their hearts and not with their eyes in the sense of this is this team has shown inconsistencies throughout the whole year but you kind of got the thought that like once they got past the Baltimore game and they put together a little bit of a run even you and I were saying well wait a minute here we go this is the Rams team we've been expecting all season long and you expect them to build on that but each time we thought that they've put it together or at least just had one game where it was like okay we we see them clicking on all of the cylinders, maybe it'll carry over into the next game. We are quickly disappointed because this is the way that this team has been throughout the season. 
that's exactly right. And, and that, to me, that's the big difference between this season and last season, or even back to 2017, is it, it wasn't all smooth. I mean, last year was pretty good. I mean, 13-3 and three is hard to is hard to find a, a lot of negatives there. But, it, you know, there, there were some in the, in the last couple of years. But you looked at them in context, and you went, yeah, okay, that wasn't great. But, hey, you know, they, they played a good game for the most part. To me, this this whole year, and it's very hard to quantify. It's hard to put stats on it necessarily. But you know, I know Jake, you haven't watched all the games, and and I've watched them too, and I'm sure most of our listeners have too. That is, is something off. Like there, there's just you, you can you can break it down to the micro and talk about the running game, or talk about Jared Goff, or talk about uh, the secondary, or whatever it is you want to talk about, and and you can find you know little pieces of evidence here or there. But to me, it's just. You, you, you can it doesn't pass the eye test you know, when you look at it it's just, something is just off like this team has not had an identity from from day 1 in terms of what they wanted to do on offense the defense has just been so inconsistent from one week to the next i mean to go from uh, you know like you said giving up the, all those points and yards against the ravens and then they look like they've turned it around with two really good games and then they just absolutely just make a mess of it uh, again yesterday against the Cowboys. There's just nothing. I, I don't know. I guess I boil it down to this, Jake. When when I look back on this Rams team, I, I'm not going to know what to say about it. Like, how, how would you put it in a sentence? How would you, if you had to describe what this team is or, or what they've accomplished this year, it's, it's very hard for me to even uh, say what their identity is or, or, or what type of makeup this team had. It's just been all over the place. And, and that's the kind of thing when I talk about or when I write about how they, they need to really need to take a serious look at this thing. It's, it's going back all the way to the start. It's going back. How did you handle OTAs? Uh, there, there were a lot of guys who, who took a little bit of time off during OTAs with permission. Those, that's an optional program that's part of the, literally part of the title OTAs is optional uh, but uh, you know there are a lot of guys coming in and out uh, you know training camp were, how do you handle the preseason games when when the Rams didn't have anybody in those preseason games into the bye week when they took off the whole bye week and I know I'm, I'm doing some real hindsight you know criticizing here but I, I'm just saying you got to look at all of those things you got to go back to the very beginning of the, of the off-season program and say, okay, what what were our missteps here? What whether it was personnel decisions, whether it was uh, some of the scheduling stuff, what any any or all of the above, you've got to start taking serious serious looks at every aspect of this, um, and and try to find out what went wrong and and why this thing went sideways. Because you can break down the stats all you want, but Jake, I, I think we're saying the same thing here, and it's that it's it just. It hasn't looked right, and and I think that the fans who've watched the last couple of years uh, uh, can see the difference. Rich, I was trying to think of how I would describe this season, and the first thought that popped into my brain was the team is is kind of bipolar in a sense of one week they look like they've got it together, and then the next week you sort of say, well, where, where was that team? And then you... Like the the stretch leading into the Ravens game, which was what the the Falcons game and the Bengals game, right? So Atlanta and then London. And I think you and Vinny were talking about how it 
looked better than what we what we had seen in the previous wins, but it wasn't all together. They started to click, and you thought, well, maybe they can carry that momentum into the Baltimore game. Well, that clearly didn't happen. And then once they got beat down by Baltimore, they started to put it together again, and you thought, okay, well, they seem to be clicking on uh, on all aspects of the game. They, they, they look confident out there. They've got a different swag to them. And even in the team hotel leading up to the game yesterday uh, on Saturday, they they go through all of these meetings the day before in the hotel and they kind of block out an entire level in the hotel and they have different meeting rooms for offense and defense and they've got a, a training room and a, and all these different rooms, right? And they're going through meetings all day. They're going through team meals and all this stuff. And I tell you, we usually interview Coach McVay on that Saturday before the Sunday, and we're not in those meetings, but we're waiting for him on the outside. You can kind of hear through the walls. And last uh, on Saturday night, it seemed like they had were joyous and laughing and playing music, and it seemed like a team that was just driving at the right moment and. We, I even asked Coach McVeigh about that. I said, we've been hearing through the walls that this looks like this team is, 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 is coming together and they look like they're, they're you know, coming together at the right moment. And, and he said, absolutely, you, you definitely feel that, that ha- they have that different vibe to them. And um, it was truly evident. And and then to see what happened on the field, it's just sort of like again, you're like, well, wait a minute, where is where are those guys? Where's the where, where is the team that 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 was you know laughing and joking and having a good time and feeling confident? I think for the first time this whole season they felt confident, and then to go out and did what they did against Dallas just. Again, none of it really makes sense. No, yeah, it's really hard to predict that stuff, and that's why I mean we we talked you know, in the last episode about how, you know, Vegas put all their money on, on the Rams right away. And everybody thought that that was headed in the right direction. And yeah, you, even up until kickoff, you can think that way. And, and then, uh, you know, it can turn just like that. So, and, and I wanted to make it clear and I appreciate that, that perspective there too. And, and, uh, I think we're being, you know, looking, taking a hard look at, at Sean McVay as we've had in the past and, and we'll continue to, but, you know, when, <laughs> Jake, when we when we talk about you know the the frustration and and kind of the venting and stuff like that, I I'm I'm going to try to help people out here and say if you have the opinion that the Rams should fire Sean McVay and or Les Snead or fill in the name of somebody else, I'm not going to tell you not to have that opinion. What I'm going to encourage you to do is not share that opinion with with people you respect um and i i'm not trying to be harsh about this but i'm just telling you i understand people get frustrated but if that's really a thought that is still seriously going through your mind 24 hours after the game 
Um, I'd, I'd, I'd just keep it there. I'd, I'd kind of keep that one in the back of your head and, and maybe just keep it, you know, don't let it pass through the filter, I guess is, is what I'm saying if, if you're talking to other people. Because, look, we're, there's a lot going wrong here. And we've talked about it, big picture, small picture, whatever it might be. Um, but it's it's not irredeemable. It's It's not like everything is lost, that this team is you know, uh, is five and eight or, or whatever, five and nine, and is just absolutely lost. We're talking about a team that in the worst case scenario is going to narrowly miss the playoffs. And I did a story a couple of weeks ago where I, I dove into uh, Super Bowl teams and how they do the next year. And it, it, would, it, it surprised me how often the team misses the playoffs the next year. And whether you want to call it a hangover or, or whatever it might be, uh, but in the past 20 years or so, there's been a pretty high percentage. Uh, I think it was about 25%, maybe even 30% of the uh, Super Bowl participants who missed the playoffs the next year. So I, I just would caution people to you know understand the difference between, yes, it's a down year versus everything has fallen apart and this whole thing is just lost and it's clear that last year was a fluke and everything else. Like, I don't think you should really be getting to that, to that point yet, but I understand, I understand people who, you know, I've, I've also had a lot of people, uh, you know, older, uh, not older fans, but older time fans who have said, Hey, you know what? We went through this with Mike Martz, you know, Mike Martz came in and looked like a genius. And, and then that went down, went downhill really fast. And look at what happened in Atlanta. Everybody thought that they were going to be great. And then they started to slide and, and I get that. I'm, I'm not saying don't keep your eyes open for, and ears open for that stuff. I'm just saying, not right now, not right now, and and I think uh, I, I think we probably agree about that, right, Jake? I mean, you, I, I'm first to say you you got to hold people's feet to the fire, but uh, you, you also don't want to make dumb decisions too. Oh my gosh, yeah, no. Again, thinking with your heart, not with your eyes. You got to yes. look at yeah. this scenario, and Sean McVay comes in. First season, they have a they have a great season. The second season, they have an even better season, and they make the Super Bowl. And so this is the first season under Sean McVay. They don't make the playoffs, and you're ready to get rid of them? I don't think so. This is definitely not a big enough sample size to be able to judge a, a coach on his ability to win. And if you take a look at the last three seasons, he's won, had a winning record, or he's had a winning record all three, but, but has made the playoffs uh, the past you know, two out of the three seasons. So, I mean, come on, like that is not enough time to really fully give someone a shot at, uh, at, at realizing how good they are. And at the point that Jeff Fisher got fired, you sort of knew, okay, whatever he's doing is not working. We just moved to Los Angeles. We got to change things up. And they brought in Sean McVay and immediately it was a a completely different team. The the thing is, is that I, and, and, and what typically happens in sports is when either if you make the, whatever the said championship uh, game is whether it's the Super Bowl, or the World Series. If you either make the Super Bowl, World Series, championship game and win or lose, it buys you a few more years. 
like in Los Angeles, the Do- I keep bringing up the Dodgers, but there's a lot of parallels here. Dave Roberts has has made the World Series in two of the five years that he's been the manager, four or five years that he's been the manager. So it's bought him a little more time to you know re- fully realize how how good he is as a manager. And McVeigh has made the Super Bowl once in the first three seasons, so it's bought him a little more time. And this team, despite it it having its obvious uh, faults throughout the season, is still eight and six. They still have a winning record. It's not going right. to make the playoffs. But but again, this is not this is not a uh, this is again. Uh, and and uh, and I'll I'll take responsibility for this because I I grew up in Los Angeles so I'm a part of the the fan base that has grown up here. This is typical Los Angeles fan base of if something goes wrong with your team that's supposed to be good, we've got to gut the entire not only gut the coaching staff but get rid of Goff and and right. get rid of uh, Gurley and get rid of Ramsey and get rid of the whole team because this is a this is a huge failure. Let's calm down. Let's take a deep breath. I I, I know it, you have a right to be frustrated, but give yourself a day or two to really think about it before you start, you know, t- telling these opinions to people like you say, tr- like you say, Rich, you you really trust. Right, and then think about what your plan is. Like, what's what's your alternative? Who who are you, who are you going to bring in, and and who do you think is going to improve on on two division titles and and a Super Bowl appearance and and three winning seasons? Um, but again, I get it. And the people who I kind of empathize the most with are, are the ones who, you know, again make the points who say, hey, you know, this this is how things started with Mike March too. And and I get that. And I'm I'm not saying don't. Uh, don't look at that or don't pay attention to that. Definitely, you know, hey, it's fine. Keep your eyes on it. You know, definitely uh, track it and see if things these things are headed in the wrong and right direction. But but to say you're just going to pull the trigger uh, because a team is eight and six uh, a, a year after making the Super Bowl. I mean, wow, that's that's <laughs> that's going to be uh, that's that's a high bar if if that's your standard every season. If you're going to fire your coach uh, if he doesn't exceed those standards every three years, then Whew, it's going to be a, a pretty wild ride, but uh, Jake. That said, that said, let's criticize Sean McVay uh, you know, since, uh, <laughs> since we're on the theme here. But but let's get into the game a, a little bit. I mean, I think we've just you know we've spent a half hour here basically talking about how you don't need to, to go into the stats, and and I don't think you do. You you watch that game and and you saw exactly everything that was going wrong. But Jake. I I watched it live and I spent you know the night thinking about it, the flight home thinking about it. I I don't know what the Rams are trying to accomplish on offense, and I don't say that again. It's not a hot take. I'm not trying to be controversial or anything, but I, I'm looking at it and I'm going, I, what what was the plan here? Uh, we, we know they've had some great success in in recent games with twelve personnel, those two tight ends. Uh, the the rollouts, the jet sweeps, and, and I understand, and I would be the first to agree that you don't just duplicate a game plan. You, that's not it's not a smart thing to do, and it's not something that a coach would do. Uh, just say, well, you know, it worked last week against Seattle, so obviously it's going to work this week against Dallas. Um, I don't agree with that. It's it's totally different defense, different personnel, different way that you should attack it, but. That said, I don't know what they were trying to do. Uh, they, they came out entirely in 11 personnel. I, uh, the week before I'd been tracking it, I'd been putting little marks on my in my notebook, and I just I stopped 
yesterday because they were just, they were just an eleven the entire time. There was no there was no switch. There was no type of adjustment um, when when things weren't going well. And and to me again, it was it was n- not in a good way. It was kind of a classic Rams loss in that they lined up in eleven personnel. They tried to run the ball early, and when it didn't work. Bye bye run game and and then it would just became one dimensional and you know golf looked out of sync out of rhythm I mean it was it ended up being a worse loss but but for me it there were so many parallels to to a lot of the Rams losses in, in the last couple of years where you know when things don't uh, get on track with that offense right away it, it just kind of spirals so uh, I mean Jake what what did you think to to me that was that was the biggest surprise is I just after what we'd seen and we'd spent you know two weeks talking about how the good things that they were doing on offense the adjustments that they were making from week to week and the game plan and, and I just looked at this one and I thought I, I don't even I don't even know what I'm looking at here I'm, I'm not even sure what the plan was I agree that you don't want to duplicate your game plan from week to week. And like you said, Rich, if it worked against the Seahawks, then it may not work necessarily against the Cowboys. But man, I would have rather they had duplicated what they did against the Seahawks, at least their game plan, than what they did against the Ravens. And it was essentially the same same thing. They even... They even matched their uh, season worst rushing total of 22 yards. They had 22 rushing yards last night. You know the last time they had 22 rushing yards? Week 11 against the Ravens. So it was, it was, it was, it didn't make any sense. Goff threw the ball 51 times. It's the second most attempts he's thrown this season. The first was when he threw it 68 times against Tampa Bay where they got, they got blown out. So, I understand that you can't do the same exact thing that you did from week to week, but to not even try there, there were, there were zero jet sweeps and I'm not, and I didn't even have to look back at any of the plays to know that, you know? So, and if they did try, they didn't work. (laughs) But the, the, the point is, is that you, like you were saying, you and I had talked about how it was, it was starting to look like the old Sean McVay of these, these fascinating play calls and and he was able to to sort of operate and do what he wanted and he kind of did did you know had his way with the Seahawks and again a lot of that had to do with the fact that the defense was uh, was dominant they were pressuring uh Russell Wilson like there was no tomorrow and uh in comparison to last night they didn't pressure Dak Prescott at all he kind of did what he wanted to do and especially on the ground when you look at what the Cowboys did on the ground compared to what the Rams did it's like they were playing two different games the 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 Cowboys had uh, 263 rushing yards, which was a season high. And both Tony Pollard and Zeke Elliott combined for 248 of those yards. Todd Gurley had 20 yards for 11 carries. So th- there just was a complete, a, a huge gap between the, between the two teams. And to, to that point that you were, that you were talking about at the beginning of this segment, which was as soon as the run doesn't work McVeigh just decides, okay, we're just going to throw the ball. We're just going to keep throwing it, and we're not going to go back to the run. Instead of trying to create more run plays or trying to say, you know what? Todd Gurley is our is our guy. He's our horse. 
And even though the run's not working, we're going to keep trying it because we know that when he succeeds, when he does well, when we create plays for him, we win. It's just, that's just, it's just plain and simple. Um, and, you know, obviously I'm not, not an NFL coach in, and I never have been, but, but just looking at it from that standpoint of, it seemed like they had some sort of winning formula that they were able to cultivate the last two weeks. And we saw none of that this week. And I don't understand why. Yeah. That's the, that's the thing that gets me. And and the part that you said that I agree most with Jake is, is just, it, it, it's not even tried, you know, like even if you go in thinking like, well, we can, we can't do that stuff against the Cowboys because of X, Y, Z, uh, you got to at least try it. I mean, the stuff that they were doing was not working. So <laughs> why not? I mean, why not throw everything out there to see, uh, you know, what, what you can make happen? And, and this is where, and again, you know, after I'm the guy who said, you know, don't, don't, you know, fire Sean McVay online, and I'm, I'm dumping on him even more. But, uh, but I, I think... One of the things when you talk about the Rams having to go back and evaluate from from week one or from even from the offseason is I think they have to at least talk about whether Sean needs a little help um, in games and whether that means going back to hiring a a full-time offensive coordinator, which they have not had since Matt LaFleur left after the 2017 season. Um, you know, whatever it is, they, they've kind of parsed this up to where Aaron Cromer is the run game coordinator, Shane Waldron is the pass game coordinator, but both of those guys have their own responsibilities within that. Aaron's in charge of the offensive line and, and Shane's, you know, works with the quarterbacks. So he's working with Jared specifically. Um, but you know, certainly is a part of the pass game too, but Anyway, I, I think maybe it just it seems to me that Sean maybe could benefit from another set of eyes, maybe somebody in the press box or the coach's booth, which is in the press box, to, to be able to look at things and go, you know what, I, I'm a step removed from this, Sean. You're on the field. You're right in the heat of it. You're, you're seeing things from a field perspective. But, you know, I, offensive coordinator X, am up here in the box, and, and I can see things from above, and maybe I can pick up on some tendencies or some things that – it may or may not work and, and just, you know, another set of ears, another voice, uh, maybe somebody who's a little bit veteran. I'm not suggesting anything here. I don't know anything. So don't, I don't want to see my name attached to anything, but a guy like Jay Gruden is, is out there who obviously was a mentor for, for Sean McVay for a long time. That's a very strong relationship. I have no idea what Jay's plans are for his future, whether he would even consider a role like that. I don't know. I'm just thinking, you know, somebody who has that type of experience, who who Sean trusts. Uh, I think those things are very important. Uh, I just I don't think it's a negative. I don't I don't think the idea of of bringing in an offensive coordinator, somebody who can maybe take a look at some of these things that we're talking about, uh, either from week to week or within a game. Uh, I, I don't think that's a bad thing, and I don't think it's a it's a knock on Sean. It doesn't it doesn't make him any less of a coach uh, to to say that that he could benefit from from a little bit of help like that. So be curious. It's a question that that I'll ask after the season when you know when we're removed from this a little bit. Um, but it, it's it's something that I, I think could help in in some ways, maybe in a lot of ways. But but Jake, getting getting back to the game, my my turning point here, and and I want I want to get yours too. Um, but it's, it's 21, seven late in the second quarter. 
Um, and at the time, <laughs> we thought the Rams were going to get the ball to start the second half. That's a whole other story. I don't even know if we'll, we'll get into that in, in this episode. But at the time, we thought the Rams were going to get the ball back to, to start the, the third quarter. So in your head, I'm at least I'm thinking, okay, you know, you put together a drive, even if it's just a field goal, you, you go down, you get some points, you take some momentum into halftime, and then you come out in the third quarter strong. What happens? They get the ball. I think there was a penalty on the first play, and then the second play, an interception, and a bad interception. Let's let's be honest about that. And, uh, you know, Sean Lee saw right where that ball was going, uh, jumped the route, and, uh, you know, just not a throw that Jared Goff should ever make uh, if, if, he's, if he's reading the defense correctly. And, and that, to me, just – that basically ended the game as far as I was concerned because the Cowboys went and scored. Um, was it was it earlier for you, Jake, or was it – did you still come, you know, start of the third quarter? Did you still think, well, you know, maybe they can they can still pull this thing out? Uh, to, to me, that was the turning point, but, but what, what was yours? I think, I think you hit the nail on the head with the turning point. I think that that was a devastating pick near the end of – the half, which led to it, led to a Cowboys touchdown. So, yeah, it put them in a massive, massive hole to start the second half. But honestly, I never really felt that even when the game was within reach, that the Rams were trying to force the issue by running the ball. It was, it was, it's almost like they had the same strategy throughout the game. And what I mean by that is, is typically when you start to go very pass heavy, you're behind a lot. You're in these, you know, third and long, second and long scenarios where you got to, you got to pick up yardage. You, you can't uh, afford to run it and, and drain the clock and you got to make up for it fast. And, and that's typically what happens, but it seemed as though, they tried to go they tried to go to the run it wasn't working at first and then they just decided to pass the rest of the rest of the game it didn't matter what the deficit was so i think that the that the that the score was actually it felt to me even before that interception that it was a lot further away than it actually was so i think that that interception definitely sealed their fate because they weren't able to recover once the second half began. And I think we would be talking. And I think that that coin toss at the beginning, the confusion there would be a, would be more of a point to talk about in this podcast had it had a real effect on the game, but the game wasn't even close. And even, even the final score, the game was a lot there there was a lot there was a lot bigger of a gap between the rams and the cowboys at the end of the game than the score read and so that that coin toss while controversial and we could get into what dak prescott meant and we know he meant that they wanted to defer but then he said kick it, none of that matters because the it didn't it didn't really affect the outcome the outcome of the game no if the rams had gone down there and, and scored you know to make it 21 14 at the end of the second quarter and and then I, frankly i you know the, yeah the coin flip thing ends up being a, kind of a moot point but it was a little bit of shenanigans there i mean they they, they told the rams for the entire first half that they were getting the ball to, to start the third quarter and then they come out after halftime and it was like oh just kidding uh you know new york called and and actually actually we're gonna let let uh, dallas have the ball to start the third quarter so i, I don't really like that i don't think you, uh, you know you, you can't be telling a team 
uh, one thing for an entire half and then, you know, do, pull it just kidding on them uh, right before kickoff. Anyway, I, I think that could have had an impact, but it really did not. And even Jared Goff said as much after the game. It really wasn't going to change a, a whole lot from uh, about the outcome of the game. But yeah, I, I agree, Jay. I mean, it, it was headed in the wrong direction anyway. And, and you know, we spent a lot of time talking about the offense and, and rightfully so because it just it didn't generate a whole lot until the game was way out of hand uh, in the fourth quarter like you said and made it made it look closer than it actually was but to me Jake the the warning signs were there immediately with the defense um, and it basically in the form of missed tackles and you could see it it, it wasn't it wasn't significant at first to where it was oh you know he's just you know, Zeke Elliott's breaking open for 20, 25 yards. It was it was kind of subtle little things where, you know, he's making a little move inside and it's a it's a two yard, what should have been a two yard gain turns into a five or six yard gain. And it's little things like that where you go, ooh, gosh, you know, when, when those things pop up early, um, it, it tends to kind of become a trend. And, and it certainly did uh, for that Rams defense. And uh, I, you said it perfectly at the, at the near the start of the episode, reverting to so many of those things that happened against Baltimore. And we've spent some time praising the Rams defense. I mean, I've written significantly about how there, there's been many times this season where the Rams defense has kept the team in games, kept the season alive at one point with, with some strong play. But Jake, these, these swings are just so... Uh, far from from one side to the other. I mean, that Baltimore game was the same type of thing where, you know, missed tackles, unable to wrap up Lamar Jackson, letting Mark Ingram get those extra yards, things like that. And, and then you look at those Arizona and Seattle games and you thought, wow, they really tightened this up. They were really on the screws. They weren't letting the quarterbacks get, get loose. They weren't letting people pick up those extra yards. They were swarming to the ball. And, and then just, again, complete swing back the other direction to where, uh, you know, getting those extra yards. And my goodness, that uh, Tony Pollard touchdown run, I, I think I, I watched the initial replay. I think there were about four broken tackles uh, on that run before he, he finally got to the end zone. And, and that's just I, I never criticize players uh, effort. You know, I mean, I know there are people who say, oh, they gave up or they're not trying. I don't think so. I mean, we we both been around enough athletes to know it's it's not guys don't give up. They're 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 too prideful in themselves, and and they're too prideful in their teammates to do that. But it's it's it certainly can be preparation, and it's not maybe not coming in with the right mindset or or not having a full understanding of of how physical that game maybe is going to be and I think those are fair criticisms of that Rams defense based based on what we saw and again just so disappointing Jake for me because just just you know a reversion basically from from all the things all the good things that we had said in the past couple weeks ended up being total negatives in this game I don't know what they could have done to prepare for for this game in terms of figuring out how to tackle someone but it felt like they couldn't well it didn't feel like it it was it, it they couldn't tackle anybody it was like yeah. tony pollard and zeke elliott just busted through and they couldn't be brought down they also couldn't penetrate the cowboys offensive line they were rarely did we see anybody in the backfield and and even when they did pressure 
Dak Prescott, they couldn't bring him down. I, 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 I don't understand. And, and, and hats off to uh, Jason Garrett for sticking with the run. He knew that this team was not stopping the run at all, and he kept pounding it on the ground. And like I mentioned earlier, they had 263 rushing yards, which is a season high. And another stat that I think illustrates how run dominant they were is that the Cowboys' leading receiver was Tavon Austin with one catch for 59 yards. He led the team in receiving yards with one catch. And yeah, that was the touchdown catch and run he had in the second quarter when Taylor Rapp and Darius Williams collided with one another and they couldn't catch up to him. So that sort of illustrates that they were focused on running the ball with their two backs, they combined for 100-plus rushing yards. It's sort of similar to, to what the, the Rams did against the Cowboys with, with, with Todd Gurley and C.J. Anderson in the playoffs. Um, the, the, the Cowboys just kind of gave it right back, right back to the Rams. And I, I, I found it interesting that no, that no Cowboys receiver had more than, than 59 yards, and Tavon Austin did it on one play. Yeah, they, they had a great game plan. And yeah, that's, I'm glad you said that because, you know, we do a lot of dumping on the, on the Rams here. And understandably, because it's a Rams podcast, we cover the Rams. But uh, full credit to the Cowboys. They, they played a very good game, and, and they certainly recognized the moment and that uh, they, they could not afford to take a loss there, either in the standings or just emotionally. They couldn't afford to, to take a fourth consecutive loss. So a uh, lot of heat on, on Jason Garrett. Um, but they came up, came out with a very good plan and, and executed it very well. So certainly they deserve some, some praise. And I'd, I'd encourage everybody to uh, go listen to their podcast, too, uh, About Them Cowboys. <laughs> Great. One of my favorite names. Uh, but uh, those uh, About Them Cowboys, it is. They, they do a great job. Uh, John Machada and, and their staff of, of Cowboys beat writers, they're going to break down this game, I'm, I'm sure, and have a much more positive spin on it. But, I, I, Jake, I, I had actually written that down as you, before you said it, that, that I agree 100%. It was a total reversal of that playoff game where the Rams just kind of imposed their will, and, and you knew uh, they, they could score, they could run the ball and control that line of scrimmage and uh, the Cowboys were completely able to flip the script on them and so you you can talk about the deficiencies that that the Rams had but uh, a lot of credit a lot of credit to Dallas for for what they uh, for what they were able to do and uh, it'll be an interesting playoff team if they do end up making it because uh, we've now seen their potential and when they can play like they did yesterday then uh, they'll be a tough team. For anybody in the playoffs, so be, they'll be one to watch. Uh, last thing on the defense, just um, we'll, we'll do a little looking forward here. But uh, Troy Hill had to leave that game early on um, with a, with a hand injury, and uh, then it got reported just a little bit ago that uh, he might need to have some surgery um, on the hand, but that he might play Saturday against San Francisco. So. Uh, Troy Hill, big loss in that game, um, and uh, if he's able to come back and play, uh, not only kudos to him, but it would be a big boost for that for that Rams uh, defense. But, Jake, there's two more games, um, and and I know, you know people are going to grip their steering wheel if they're driving listening to this, but the Rams technically are not out of the playoff race. What? Yet. Are they you kidding? Are, they are two games back um, of the Minnesota Vikings, who are, are now the only team that they can catch. And uh, 
two games to play. So the scenario, if you are an eternal optimist, the, the scenario is that the Rams beat San Francisco on Saturday and then beat Arizona in the final week on the 29th. And then the Minnesota Vikings collapse with losses to the Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears. I'll have to say, Jake, I, you know, we won't spend too much time going into the scenarios here because it's pretty straightforward at this point. All things considered, and maybe exactly for the reasons that we've been discussing here, I would not be shocked if the Rams beat the 49ers. And I certainly wouldn't be surprised if they beat the Cardinals. Uh, but I have a harder time thinking that the Vikings are going to go 0-2, especially the way that they went into Carson yesterday and just Oof. just decimated the, the Chargers. I mean, what was it, seven turnovers, and they just absolutely uh, blew them up. So uh, to, to get the Rams to 10-6, and 6, I don't think is uh, you know a miracle. I don't think it's, it's something that's impossible. But uh, to think that the Vikings are going to lose their last two games is probably a little bit, uh, a little bit optimistic. I think that the Vikings, if they're going to lose, they're going to lose to the Packers. But I think right. that they're going to be able to beat the Bears. So in that scenario, obviously the Rams would be eliminated. But I, you know, I, I before this week, I didn't think that the Rams had a shot. Um, to beat the 49ers, but since the San Francisco lost to the Falcons, you know, maybe they've got a shot to, to beat them. Who knows? Who knows what, what, uh, what's going to happen on, on Sunday, but man, like that it's not over till it's over, but it's, it, but it's pretty over. Right. Right. I mean, this is another one of those games, you know, this Dallas game, uh, the Pittsburgh game is another one for me where, again, all you need is is one win there. Even if it, it's two wins, then it, we're having a much different conversation uh, right now. But uh, I, I got to say, in, independent of everything else, mostly because I'm I'm selfish in this front and I don't want that, that Rams-Cardinals game to, to be meaningless because, oh my gosh, how... How dismal will that be if it's, it's an absolutely meaningless game between the Rams and Cardinals on on to end the season? But for for that for that sake alone, I I hope that it has some meaning that that we're actually still paying attention to to what the Vikings are doing and, and seeing if they can win that game against the Bears. Uh, so so just for the sake of interest and in, in keeping uh, some compelling football in the field, uh, I kind of hope that it happens, but. Um, 5% chance is, is what the, I guess what the prognosticators are saying. So not, not great, but, uh, I guess it's, it's something, but, um, Jake, uh, good breakdown. Uh, you know, we, we, we were both down there, um, and you know, CBS did such a great job, uh, of, of covering, you know, you're, you're the guy you're, you're representing the, uh, the LA, uh, TV, uh, crew uh, being in the locker room. And, and getting all that uh, great sound and great report. So uh, tell us what you guys have coming up. It's, it's a short week, obviously, with a the, with the game on, on Saturday. So a little bit of an unconventional week. But uh, I know you guys will be out of practice. And, and what should uh, the viewers be looking for on uh, CBS and on KCAL this week? Well, every night we have Sports Central on KCAL 9 beginning at 10.45. That's after the newscast. So be sure to tune in for that. But always on Saturday, we've got the Coaches Show on CBS. 
on Saturday night, we have my, well, actually, because the game is on Saturday, we won't have my uh, report with uh, with Coach McVeigh. It'll be the report after the game. So my report will be at ten thirty on KCAL nine, and then ele- and then again at eleven thirty p.m. on CBS two. That'll be Saturday night for. Uh, our Rams coverage and Rich, if that game is is meaningless in the sense that a win or a loss won't matter one way or the other for the Rams, at least it is the uh, final home game for the Rams at the Coliseum. So it's a little bittersweet, yeah. no matter where the Rams are in terms of the playoff picture. Yeah, for sure, Qu- quite a history. I've I've enjoyed uh, covering games there. It's uh, it's a little bit different now that it's been renovated, but. Uh, such a history, and uh, I think we'll all be glad to say that, that we covered some some NFL games there. And uh, certainly looking forward to Inglewood and uh, everything that, that's going to happen there. So please do uh, follow along with, uh, with Jake and, and his great colleagues, uh, great reports, and uh, we're lucky to, to have him out there. So follow along on Twitter also. Jake is uh, at Reiner underscore Jake, R-E-I-N-E-R underscore Jake. I am at Rich underscore Hammond. I'll be writing throughout the week. We'll be doing a Q&A on The Athletic uh, tomorrow, Tuesday uh, at 1 p.m. So please uh, join in on that and feel free to, to ask any questions. I'm sure there'll be a couple. And, uh, of course, we will be back with everybody on Friday to to break down that Rams 49ers game. It's always a big one. Standings, whatever, playoff implications, whatever. Rams 49ers, always big, always fun. So we will be back to uh, start looking forward and uh, let everybody know what to expect from that game. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks for uh, following along on, on iTunes, subscribing, commenting, rating, all that good stuff. We do appreciate it. Uh, comments always welcome. Criticisms always welcome. We can always get better uh, like the Rams. So we will uh, try to do that as we keep going forward. But we will be back with you on Friday to preview that big Rams 49ers game. So thanks a lot, everybody, and take care.